we're on a new series called Work, uh, really God at Work, and we've been talking about consistently what it means uh, that, you know, your life is lived in, in different segments. And what was amazing for us as we've been going through this series is that we learned that uh, up 25 to 33% of your life, if you live to 79 years old, will be at work. That is crazy. That is an amazing number that you spend uh, in your life at this place called work. And so how many of you know God is highly concerned about your work and uh, what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ at your work? We've been talking about that. That's incredible. You know, we found out a few weeks ago that um, um, work is not part of the fall. How many were shocked to hear that? That work was here in eternity when, uh, you know, things were perfect. There was work. Does that change a little bit of thinking for some people? You don't have to put up your hand, but it, it kind of is a, an, an interesting thought to me. And when you go into this understanding that work is a necessary part of a human being's life, and part of our fulfillment, you know, we've often rebuked people and we said, you know, uh, you know, you find your identity in work. And I get it. We're supposed to find our identity in Christ. And that's important. But how many of you know part of your identity is in your work? And that's okay. That's actually okay. And so we want to talk about uh, really what it means to have God at work. And today I'm going to talk about work as cultivation. Work as cultivation. If you didn't get a chance to last week listen to Pastor Maddie's sermon, I encourage you to go online and listen to it. It was powerful. Every once in a while, a pastor will get a message, and I call them prophetic words. And what I mean by that is those words are, can be used kind of like transcend just a local church, that God is actually speaking to the body. And Maddie had one of those words last week, so I encourage you to go online, www.tfhchurch.ca, and click on Vimeo and watch that sermon from last week. It was a great message. See, you're created in the image of God. You are image bearers. You and I are created in God's image. And as image bearers, we are to cultivate the kingdom of God in every area of our life. So it makes sense that if 33% of my life is going to be spent at work, what does it mean to cultivate God's kingdom in that place? You see, we've been sent onto this earth and created for a purpose. And here's part of our purpose in Genesis 2. The Lord man made God and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And that word work it is part of the word where we get cultivation from. And so you and I are created to cultivate something in this world. Because when we were set in the Garden of Eden, God's heart and intention was that that garden life, that beautiful, delightful garden, would spread across the world. That was really his intention. It's why it started in one small place, and it was meant to grow as mankind grew and spreading the life and the goodness and the graciousness of God across the entire world. That was God's heart and intention. That word cultivate is an interesting word. It obviously means to prepare and use land for crops or gardening, to acquire or develop a quality, a sentiment, or a skill. See, we are to bring the culture of the kingdom of God into every single area of our lives. That's very interesting. You know, the word culture actually comes from the word 
or where we get our word cultivation from. It's incredible that you're actually creating a culture by what you cultivate into this world and into this life. We are culture makers. And ultimately, God is saying it doesn't matter what you do for a job or, or, or in your life. It is no small job or big job. The, the idea is that wherever you are, you come to cultivate the kingdom of God. You're to bring the kingdom of God, whether you're a plumber, whether you're a truck driver, a receptionist, a teacher, a brain surgeon, it doesn't matter. God is saying, I have created you to create culture. That's awesome. What an incredible job description that you and I have been given. I love this quote by Tim Keller. Let me read it to you. Whenever we bring order out of chaos, whenever we draw out the creative potential, whenever we elaborate and unfold creation beyond where, it was found, where we found it, we are following God's pattern of creative cultural development. So in every area of your life, in any area of your life, that when you understand that you are creating culture. Now, I want you to get something. This is very, very important. Whether you create the culture of the kingdom of God or you create your own culture or the culture of this world, you're a culture maker. You can't avoid this. This is who you are. You are created and set in the garden by God, set in this world by God to bring and to create culture. So I don't know about you, but since I am going to create culture wherever I go, I want to make sure that I'm creating the culture of God. Doesn't it make sense that if I'm going to be a culture maker, that at least I want to know what God's culture is and I want to create that culture. Amen? Well, let's pray and find out how to do that today. And you might be surprised uh, by some of these things, and you might not be surprised. But I'm going to tell you, you create culture all the time, and I'm going to show you how you do that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have created us to be creative people, to create culture by our work, by so many things, God, that we're going to look at today. I pray, God, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you capture minds and hearts and attitudes and words and actions. And let us realize that we leave this place to create culture and to cultivate culture. So, Lord, bless your word. May it find ears that hear and eyes that see and hearts that receive and respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Sounds like they're having lots of fun out there. So I'll try and tell a joke so you guys feel like you're having fun here too. Amen. <laughs> so here we go. Number one, thanks, Evan, for shutting that door. Um, <laughs> that's what you do with your kids, isn't it? You just shut the door and they go in the other room. You're like, thank God for the door. Amen. And at least that's what I did anyway. <laughs> I can get off track here. I won't go any further. Uh, here's the first thing you, you cultivate with. You ready for this? You actually cultivate with your mouth. <laughs> You're actually cultivating continually with your mouth. See, when God set man in the Garden of Eden and he was there to cultivate this garden all over the earth, what's the very first job that God gave to man? Anybody know? Name the animals. Name the animals. Why would God 
make their first act of culture making be to create with their words. Well, understand how God creates. If you understand the process of creation, if you understand how God cultivated and created the world and you're created into his image, then you understand why the very first thing God did was to teach mankind the power of their words. Think about what God did. Here's the, here's the scripture that tells us what happened when God started creating. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless, empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. The spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. In that one little passage of scripture that starts the Bible, we actually get the entire process of how creation works. Now, let me just break it down for a minute here. Here's the first part of creation that we need to understand. It was formless, it was, there was emptiness, and there was darkness existing on the earth. You know, what it means is that it was void of purpose and void of destiny. And so God comes, and he sees this void, and he begins to speak. And that word darkness that was over the earth, the word means misery, destruction, death, ignorance, sorrow, wickedness. In other words, there was with a lack of God. What was present in the world at that moment was a lack of God's consciousness, God's breath, God's word. And without God's power working upon this world, it, 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 it degresses into misery and darkness. Do you understand? That's what happens. You know, you're a believer because part of your life is constantly under a pressure to give way either to cultivate toward this world or to cultivate toward the kingdom of God. There is no neutral ground in the, in the spiritual realm. There isn't. There is no spiritual Switzerland. <laughs> You are either on one side or the other. You are cultivating in one way. So understand, this was God. He, he sees the formlessness of the earth, and he creates it, and he says, now I'm going to show people, I'm going to teach them something. He could have created it completely done, but he wanted to teach us a principle of cultivation. And so he starts this in this world, and it's formless, it's empty, and then he, what does he do? He speaks to it. Let there be light. Boom. And there was light. It's interesting. It, the scripture says the spirit of God was hovering over the darkness. And that word hovering is kind of like a, a, a mother hen incubating, incubating the eggs. That's what was happening there. God is hovering over creation. Now, understand something. God had the spirit without measure. He was the spirit without measure. So the minute he spoke, it came to be. Do you understand? It was instantaneous. But he was teaching us a principle again in this scripture. He's teaching us that even though your situation may seem dark and hopeless, you need to learn to hover. You need to learn to stay over that situation until it produces the life of the kingdom of God. And so there's God. He's hovering over this. And he speaks until something hatches. For God, it's instantaneous. But how many of you know for you, it's not? which is good news. We'll talk about that in a minute. But then he speaks to it. It's interesting. He says, light be. It's a command, actually. If you look at it in the Hebrew language, it's actually like, mm, if you don't mind, mm, light, you want to turn on mm, a little more light? No, it's like light be. Now, it's interesting because if God had said, is it ever dark in here? What would have happened? it would have got darker. Why? Because God has the spirit without measure. 
spirit of creation. Are you following me? And then he would have said, whoa, 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 it's getting darker. What would happen? Darker. <laughs> it would have gotten darker, which is kind of incredible. Because here's what it, the principle, the principle, these are principles of cultivation. Here's the principle. God doesn't speak to what he sees. He speaks to what he wants to see. Come on. He speaks to what he wants to see in this world, which is a principle of cultivation that you and I need to gather as culture makers in every area of our life. Listen to Romans 4.17. I have made uh, thee a father of many nations. God is speaking to Abraham. In the presence of him he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things that are not as though they are. It sounds better in King James. He calleth those things that are not as though they are. Well, if God calls something that is not as though it is, guess what happens? It is. <laughs> That's the principle. So he's speaking to Abraham, who's 99 years old, who can't have a kid. He says, you're going to be the father of many nations. God, and Abraham's like, you're crazy. And God says, just so you know how crazy I am, you're going to call him laughter. Why? Because Abraham's wife, who was 91, heard it and started laughing. <laughs> Will God give me a baby at 91 and my husband's 99? Come on. God's like, okay, his name's now Laughter. Ha, 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 ha. Because God calls those things that are not as though they are which is powerful for us to understand. Why? Because we're created in the image of God. And as image bearers, we have powerful creative forces in our words. Right? The words of mankind have the power of life and death, especially for believers who have the Spirit of God in them. Are you following me? Come on now, you, Pastor, I don't know if that's true. Well, here we go. I'm, I, I, okay, Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruits. Proverbs 12, 18. There is one whose rash words are like the sword thrust. The tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 13, 3. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. Whoever opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Matthew 12, 37. By your words you will be justified. By your words you will be condemned. Proverbs 21, 23. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. James 1, 26. If anyone thinks he's religious, does not keep a tight bridle upon his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. I could go on. You have power in your words, church. You have been created in the image of God. You're an image bearer. And God says you cultivate every time that you speak. That's troubling to me at times. <laughs> See, now, the good news with us is this. It doesn't seem like good news, but it's good news. See, Jesus had the spirit without measure. So whatever he said happened. Remember? Things like tree, die. You're not bearing fruit, die. They come back the next day, a brand new tree, they're beautiful green leaves, the next day is dead. <gasps> Lord, that's crazy. What did you do? I just spoke to it. You follow me? He had the spirit without measure. Now, thank God you and I don't have the spirit without measure. Now, you're saying that's kind of crazy, Pastor Greg. But can you imagine if you said, oh, this headache is killing me? <laughs> 
There'd be people dead every day, like people just dropping on the streets. If I have to listen to one more minute of the kids screaming, I'm going to die, dead, gone. God is merciful. So he doesn't quite give us the spirit without measure just yet because we haven't learned the power of our cultivating language. Amen? So this gets really disturbing because think about this in a practical way. This gets right down to the roots of your workplace. What are your words about your work? What are your words about your co-workers? What are your words with your co-workers about your boss? What are your words like? What culture are you cultivating in your workplace? Your words are creating culture, church. Understand it. Understand it. Just understand it, right? You know, you can, here's the choice. So I'm sorry there's no middle room. Here's the choice. Well, you can be silent. I guess that's one choice. But um, your words are either creating and agreeing with the culture of death that is in this world, or it is creating the culture of life that is the kingdom of God. It is one or the other. And think about that in your own life, the way you talk about yourself, the way you talk about your spouse, the way you talk about your boss. You know, you don't have to speak the word of God at work. Listen to me very carefully. The word says, uh, my boss, my, the word of God says, the word of God says, you know, that the boss is going to be like, you're weird. But, you know, you can speak those things which represent the kingdom of God, like hope, like peace, like thankfulness. <laughs> you know, when you want to freak people out, just be positive. I was with a neighbor who we were doing some work and he started talking about his daughter becoming a teenager and, and he said some just things that were just like, not good. Yeah, she's probably going to curse me out one day and I won't say the words he said, but they were colorful. You know, yeah, she loves me now, but she's going to be like, blah, 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 one day. I said, dude, I, I prayed that that doesn't happen. I was so shocked by what he said. I immediately kind of like, dude, you know what? Your daughter... You know, she loves you and she needs... I was just crazy. This crazy moment with this guy of kind of speaking the culture of the kingdom. Are you following me? It's always around us, guys. You can get into it all. It happens all the time. You know, like you go to work and guys are like, yeah, the old lady, the old lady. You know what you mean? Your wife, the one who puts up with you, that one? <laughs> yeah, I think it's a miracle, dude. You should just be thanking God that woman is still with you. How many of that changes culture in a moment? <laughs> Yeah, the old lady. Yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. Listen to this. Here's us, church, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, just let light shine out of darkness, made his light to shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory as displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. 
because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. Okay, are you following the principle of creation that God is sending out here? He hovers over darkness and he speaks life to it and life comes. Now, how many of you know when you and I are saved, we're born again, we become believers and followers of Jesus, how many of you know there's still areas of our life that are dark? There are still areas of our life that are in chaos and disorder. And God is trying to teach us a principle of how to set the kingdom of God a flame and a fire in those times in your life is you begin to speak to those things that you want to see, not what you see. It's really easy to speak to what you see in the world today, church. It's really easy to go on Facebook and slam current leadership. It takes a lot to speak the kingdom of God. In the midst of that culture of death. Amen? God calls those things that are not as though they were. We need to have those voice, those words start to fly out of our lives. And see, we're, we're, this treasure that's within us, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of cultivation, the power of language, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of creation. Jesus is called, what, the Word of God. It's kind of important to understand the power of our words, church. Get it. You create culture with your words. Um, I don't know if John Booker's here, but I always pick on him. But one of the things I love about John is uh, the consistency with which John creates culture. I'll tell you one of the things he does. Uh, I say, how are you doing, John? It's kind of my favorite thing to say to him because the answer is always the same. Wonderful. Wonderful. And I say, I love hearing that. I love that word. The other day, I phoned a guy that works for John named... Doug Fleming. I said, Doug, how are you doing today? You know what he said to me? Wonderful. I thought John Booker is creating culture. His words are blossoming. And there's the fruit of the culture of wonderful. How many of you know that's a kingdom word? What do you say? How are you doing? Well... How much time do you have? <laughs> anyway, creating the culture. Prayer next week. How many of you know you create culture in prayer? Powerful. Like, you know, I don't like getting woken up at 4.30 in the morning. Some of you think, well, it's already two hours... I'm already up for two hours. Well, God bless you, I'm not. <laughs> but God's like, you guys need to pray. You have great power in your words. Call the church to fast and pray for Canada. How many of you know we are at a turning point as a nation and we need to declare righteousness right now, church? We need to speak life, you know. We need to speak grace and power and presence, you know. He wants to have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. You know, when we sing our national anthem, every hockey game I go to, every time I sing the national anthem, I'm telling you, I, I just belt out those words. God keep our land. And everybody around me is glorious and free. 
Amen? I sing a little better than that usually, but for emphasis, I went off key there. There we go. <laughs> Amen. Come on now. We need to pray for Canada, guys. Take one day next week. If you can't do Tuesday, do a different day. But I encourage you all together, take Tuesday. Let's fast. Let's pray. Let's cry out to God. Come and pray for a couple hours. It's not going to kill you. And if it does, you go to heaven. It's all good. It's win-win. It's win-win. Come on now. Humble yourself, church. Let's show up on Tuesday night and show up to prayer. Listen to what it says in Matthew 7. Ask and keep on asking, and it will be given you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be open. For everyone who keeps on asking receives. He who keeps on seeking finds. Him who keeps on knocking, it will be open. We need to pray for Canada. And cry out and not just look at the darkness and curse the darkness and say, oh, it's so terrible, it's so terrible, it's so terrible. No, God, come, Holy Spirit, change our land. God, you've established Canada to be a peacekeeping nation. God, peace is what you want to place on this nation. Peace is what you want to birth out of this nation. Peace is what you want to go forward from this nation. God, establish your peace in this land. That's what you want to do, God. So we cultivate church with our words. Just get it, you cultivate with your words. Are you cultivating the culture of life? Are you cultivating the culture of death? We cultivate with our attitudes. You think, well, I'm not saying anything. Well, we know what you're saying. It's not what you say. It's what looks on your face while I'm looking at you. Your, word, your face is speaking a million words to me right now. Well, I didn't say anything. I tried that with my wife. It doesn't work. I did not say anything while you were shopping. Greg, we're leaving the mall. The best fights in my life in malls. Because Betty tries on things. I'm like, why are you trying that on? Do you need that? I just like trying it on. It's therapy to me. It's not therapy. It's wrong. It's from the pit. No, anyway, I just go to places that are bad and dark and not creating the culture of life. Finally, we, after 26 years of marriage, I just say, don't take me shopping with you anymore, ever. God bless you. Here's the credit card. I don't even want to know. Just don't, I'll see it at the end of the month. It's, it's all good. We'll get over it. Amen? And then all the ladies. So there was a lot of ladies like, amen! Woo, pastor! <laughs> anyway, husbands can call me later. Okay. Cultivate with your attitudes. Philippians 2, here it goes. Let each of you esteem and look upon others uh, concerned not primarily for their own interests, but also look out for the interests of others. Let the same attitude, purpose, and humble mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. Let him be your example in humi humility. You see, attitude is the one thing you can control in your life, uh, and you're cultivating with your attitudes, church. Just You guys know what I'm talking about. You ever walk into a room and there's somebody there and you're just like, whoo, man, I don't want to be around that person because there's something coming off of them and you're like, that is sucking the life out of everything around. It's a vortex. It is bad. I'm sorry. You don't want to be that person is what I'm trying to say. You want people to run toward you when you're in a room because you bring an attitude of life and the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. So I posted on Facebook, uh, for those of you that are there, a few weeks ago, 
uh, things that cost you zero and create, have, you need zero talent in order to achieve. It's kind of disturbing, but here they are. Being on time. A work ethic. Zero talent needed just to work hard. Effort, energy, body language, eye contact, passion, listening, doing extra and little things. Being prepared, that's good. Being coachable, that's good. You don't need any talent to achieve all those things. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> you can just do them at your work. So I'm going to, you know, we left them up there for a minute. Just pick one this week to say, I'm going to get 1% better at this. That, that's doable, is it not? I remember hearing about, I think it was the Los Angeles Lakers, where the coach said at the beginning of the season, he said, guys, we all just want to get 5% better. Can we all buy into that? And so he pushed them. That was his mantra for the whole season. We're only going to get 5% better. That's it, 5%. They won the championship that year. Because these elite athletes said, I can push myself 5% better. You can do that. Amen? You know, you ever watch the show Undercover Boss? Anybody ever see that movie, show? Where the guy is like a multi-billionaire boss and he goes undercover and he works in like a factory. Do you ever notice something about Undercover Boss? They never pick employees to get the money and the blessings that have bad attitudes. Never. The guy's never like, this job sucks. I hate this company. And the boss is standing right. No, it's always the guy that's like, man, I love working here. I'm so thankful I got a job. I'm so thankful. And he, he's packing boxes in the back shipper, shipping yard. And the guy's got a great attitude. It's always the person with the great attitude that suddenly the boss shows up on the scene, unbeknownst to him, and says, surprise, here's your reward. Guess what? Jesus is your undercover boss. He is there every day. And he sees everything, he hears everything, every attitudinal comment, he is there. And one day, hopefully, he doesn't say, what were you thinking? But he says, well done. Good and faithful servant. Man, you had a sucky job, but man, you had a great attitude. And you kept that attitude strong. Amen? Okay, okay, okay. I know, you just got a little bit of homework, so here you go. You cultivate with your words. You cultivate with your attitude. Here's the third and last thing you cultivate with. You cultivate with your hands. I love this psalm. Psalm 90, verse 17. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Establish the work of our hands. Is that not a good prayer? Is that not a good prayer for your life, church? Just that one scripture every day, God, establish the work of my hands today. Whatever I'm doing, God, I'm packing boxes in the back of the shop. God, establish the work of my hands. God, I got a broom in my hand. I'm sweeping up the floor. God, establish the work of my hands today. That's a good prayer. You know, the Spirit of God was upon, was upon Joseph, and the Bible says that whatever he set his hand to, prospered. Don't you want your boss to be able to say that about you at work? Man, whatever I put that guy in charge of, whatever that girl is doing, man, she's always got a positive attitude. It's amazing to watch her. She, whatever she does, she just does it with all her heart. She's working hard. She's amazing. 
I want to have that kind of rapport. That's a good thing. So here's the question. What's in your hand? What's in your hand? Because if you put it in the hand of God, it's incredible what he can do. So Moses was a son of Pharaoh or a son, of, anyway, in Pharaoh's house. And uh, he basically kills an Egyptian. He has to flee. For 40 years, he's herding sheep. That's all he's doing. Which may, you know, may sound like a great job, but probably in his day, it was not a great job. And I know it wasn't because sheep herders were kind of the lowest of the low. And so God shows up and he says, I'm sending you to set my people free. And of course, Moses is like, why don't you send my brother? He's way more eloquent than me. He can do it. I, I can't do it. And God's like, says, ask him a question. He says this, what's in your hand? This is Agar and I were talking about this a few weeks ago, actually. What's in your hand? He's like a sheep herding staff. I fight off the lions. I tap the sheep on the bum when they're misbehaving. It's a piece of wood. God's like, okay, cast it down. Watch what I do. Of course, you know, he throws it down, becomes a snake. He says, now pick it up. Whoa! He picks it up again. What does Moses use to bring deliverance to the people of Israel? A piece of wood. <laughs> Crazy. What's in your hand, Moses? You know, church, he's looking at you and he's looking at me and he's saying, church, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? Because if you will say, God, bless this and use it for the cultivation of the kingdom of God, he will bless it. All kinds of stories in the Bible talk about what's in your hand. Another example is John chapter 5, chapter 6, sorry, where, uh, you know, there, there's probably 15,000 people, 5,000 men present, and Jesus is like, turns to his disciples, he says, you guys feed them. And of course, the disciples are like three months wages couldn't even give each person a bite. That's a crazy statement. And so they, I, I just see the picture. You have to read the scripture, guys, and you have to see the picture in your mind. Now, you understand this culture would have gotten that if they were coming out to hear a speaker in the wilderness, they all would have brought a little bit of food with them. So you can see the disciples, you know, Jesus says, you feed them. If I was a disciple, immediately what I would do is start to basically call out to the crowd. Does anybody have food that we can share with everybody here? What do they do? They clutch their little bag a little closer. I've only got enough for me and my family. I haven't got enough to share. That's crazy. That's a crazy... No, I haven't got any food. Pushing the bags behind them. No. Except one little boy. He says, I got five buns and a piece of fish, a couple fish. And he takes what's in his hand and he puts it in the hands of the master. Amen? And what happens? Everyone is fed. It multiplies. And the Bible says there are 12 basket filled, large baskets is the Greek word, full at the end. Who do you think got those 12 baskets? I can't prove it. So you can say whatever you want. But knowing God a little bit, I think the little boy went home that day and said, Mom! <laughs> Come quick. And who had to carry them? Who had to carry the 12 baskets? The 12 
disciples who didn't believe, <laughs> carrying those massive baskets back, following the little kid. Hoorah, hoo. Lesson, lesson. Come on now. Pastor, your imagination is crazy. I know, but it's a wonderful place to come and live for once in a while. Amen? You guys all know the st- so many stories in the Bible of what's in your hand, what's in your hand. The widow who didn't have anything, her husband died, and she said to the prophet, she said, I, I, we're going to die. My kids are going to be taken uh, captive, and uh, we have no money to pay the bills. Our husband's dead. He was a prophet with you, and he, I think it was Elijah. He says, uh, uh, what do we do? And he says, what do you have in the house? What's in your hand? She says, I got a little bit of oil. And he says, go and get every vessel you can find. And not just a few, he says, get as many as you can grasp. So they go to all their neighbors and friends and get all these pots. Their whole house is filled with pots. And he says, start to pour the oil. Little tiny flask of olive oil. And he starts to pour and it fills up the first one. It fills up the second one. She keeps going, she keeps going. And then she's like, bring more pots. Until the very last pot. And once he fills up the last pot, the oil stops. There's so many lessons in that one scripture. When God tells us to do something, do we just do a little bit or we bring every bit and we just say, God, fill it all. I want more. I want all of what you have for me, God. She paid off her debt, saved her son's lives and lived off the rest, the Bible says. Pretty cool story. What's in your hand, church? Let's watch a video right now of somebody who took something in his hand and did something spectacular with it. Let's watch. You're a custodian. Yes, sir. I hope you don't mind me saying this, no, sir. but how, how are you doing this, man? How, you, you, you using all of your money? Well, what I did, I had this divine revelation and I believed that God spoke to me and said, use your money, save your money. Do what you have to do. Show the kids love. Show them compassion. Wow. And these are two things that you cannot get a degree in. They have to work (laughs) at this self from the inside out. Yeah. So what I... So what I began to do was to save my money. I saved $100 here till it got up to $800, there. And I put my income tax with it. And my wife, she doesn't make it... uh, she make around the same as I do. I make $11.68 an hour. And so she, she looked and she said, well, baby, I don't want to miss out on this blessing because I know you're blessing the kids. I want to be part of that. So she put her money with it too. And uh, when we sold the scholarship to the kids, we gave four kids $500 a piece. And, and when... When we gave the kids the $500 a piece, I expressed to them that every penny of this money comes from the end of a broom and a mop because uh, I wanted them to take self-sufficiency, knowing that this, I'm sowing self-sufficiency into them so they won't walk around with their hands out all the time right. asking for something. Right. I wanted them to know that it doesn't take, it's not the amount of money that I make on the job, but it's the mission that I'm on while yeah. I'm on the job. Yeah. yeah. This guy's a culture maker. Amen? It's not the amount of money we make. It's, it's, we have a mission, church. We have a mission. We have a mission from God. We have a mission to bring the kingdom of God to this world. You know, we're building a church, and uh, it's crazy. It's insane. How can we do it? And God says, you know, put your, put your loaves and your fish in my hand. 
It's not the amount, church. It's that our heart is right with God. Say, God, we're sowing everything we can, and it seems like such a little ridiculous amount, but you can do it, God. You can do it. And, and, and this is part of what we're doing, and it's not just about building the church. It's about building the kingdom in every part of your life. It's about building the kingdom of God at your work, in your homes, with your families, with your children, with, your, with the people that are your neighbors. You have a mission, church. You cultivate with your words. You cultivate with your attitude. And you cultivate with your hands. Let's cultivate the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask the band to come back. We're going to take communion in just a couple minutes. The Spirit of God is speaking to you right now each of you in a different way. It's the beauty of what the Spirit does. Amen? He speaks and shows one little thing that you can change in your life, one little action, one little activity, one little thing that can make a big difference in what you're cultivating this week. Just work on one thing. Say, God, help me with one thing. Don't try to change everything at once. You may have the suckiest attitude at work. Well, it's time to change it. Freak people out and be positive. <laughs> Amen? Amen. You have great power, church. You are created in the image of God. We're just going to sit in the presence of God just for a couple minutes. And there's communion stations at the front. There's communion stations at the back. And there's going to be communion handed out to us here on the stage. So that's good. What I'm going to ask you to do is there's a piece of bread and a little bit of grape juice. All you do is dip the bread in and partake of the communion. Don't drink the wine. That one is right there is gluten-free on my left. If you want gluten-free option, that's fine. The other five stations that are available are not. But I want you to say, God, make me a culture maker of the kingdom of God. Help me to cultivate the kingdom with my words, with my attitude, with my actions. Amen? We can do this, church. You're created in the image of God. God thinks you can do it because there's many more people that need to find their way home to the Father. He's going to use you to do it. Let's bow our heads for a moment. If you're here and you're saying, Pastor Greg, as I take communion, the first thing I need to do is just recognize that I have not been doing everything I need to do to create the culture of the kingdom. I, my words maybe have been a little bit too loose. Maybe my actions, maybe my attitude has been poor. And I'm going to give you a chance. You know, the Bible says, examine your heart before you partake of communion. If that's you here today, you're saying, Pastor, I just want to ask God to forgive me. Maybe where I haven't been a great culture maker in the church or at work or at home. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand to heaven and say, Father, that's me. Lots of us are raising hands. Yeah. You can put your hand back down. One of the beauty, uh, beautiful things about preaching is I actually get to repent before all of you. <laughs> I don't preach from a high pulpit. I preach from a very low pulpit. I'm right on the ground with you. God wants you to know that you're a great and awesome culture maker. 
And if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I want to create the culture of the kingdom of God better than I ever have in my life with my words, with my attitude, with my actions, raise your hand. You can raise it again if you want. Yes, you should all raise your hand on that one, by the way. That was kind of a general altar call that everyone should respond to. <laughs> Just giving you some hints of how these altar calls work. Amen. God bless you, church. So you take a moment just to reflect. Let the Spirit of God maybe show you one thing that you're going to work on in the next month. Just one thing. One thing. Not 50 things. One thing. And ask Him to capture your heart, your mind, your words when you're not acting that way or when your emotions or your attitude is poor. Ask Him right now, just in your spirit, in your heart. God, capture me when I'm going the wrong direction here and help me to start moving toward your kingdom. With your help, Holy Spirit, I put it in your hands. Have your way with me, Lord. Amen.